You know, sometimes you ask a question. How religious can a person be and still be lost? Well, if there's ever been a religious man, it's Cornelius. Now, he's not the most religious guy that I read about. I think Judas Iscariot was the most religious. Because he dwelt in the presence of Jesus for those three years. And he was the treasurer. And he preached. And he was involved personally with Jesus. And still lost. And I tell that, that to me is astounding. So I, when, when I look at Cornelius, I, I want to say, you know what? Man, look how religious this guy is. But yet I know at the same time, it doesn't make any difference how much religion you have. It's one not to have the Lord Jesus. And it's a thrilling story. In fact, it's a blessed story. Because it encompasses all that we need to know concerning a salvation experience of a religious person. Now, I'm not going to read this whole chapter, but I'm going to try to deal with it as best I can. And I want to thank the Lord for saving that soul last night. And that made it all this worthwhile. Like Brother Larry said, I just put a seal on this building as far as we're concerned. That's what this building's all about. It's come here and hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and one person is saved. And that's what we prayed for yesterday afternoon. That's worth the whole business. If no one ever gets saved anymore, no one else, that one's worth the whole business. All the carpenter work, all the money that's gone in here. Because in the end time, she goes to heaven rather than to hell. Hallelujah. When we stand in, stand in glory land, we'll say, it's worth it all. And so I pray that there'll be someone else before this day is over. As I told you, God always told me to go after one. Son, just go after one. I always love that one. And you were that lost sheep. You were that lost coin. And that, that one's valuable when it's you. And it's your soul at stake. And we want to be sure that you receive the right information. Now I want us to read together these, these first six verses. And then we'll pick up there. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius, and when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa, and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Now just turn over into chapter number 11. I want to read one verse. And that's verse 14. And this is Peter recounting it. To some of the brethren in Judea, in Jerusalem. Who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. Cornelius was not a backslidden Christian. He was a lost religious man. And who needed to be saved. And when we read this, there are several things I want to make in, in preparation. To let us see the presentation of the Lord Jesus again. I got blessed this morning when I... When I thought about this vision that the angel came to Cornelius and the first thing the angel did was call him by name. 
Man, that just about got enough. That, that was almost enough for me. I didn't need anything else for the day. Because it came to me just as clear. Jesus knows your name. <laughs> oh, glory to God, that's enough. Oh, Cornelius. Cornelius. But he not only knew his name, he knew what condition he was in. Cornelius didn't have to report to the Lord the condition he was in. The Lord knew what condition he was in. And so when the Lord deals with him, the Lord has full information on him. Aren't you glad Jesus knows everything about you? He not only knows your name, he knows where you are and what you're thinking and the condition you're in. And he may not call you by name when the Holy Ghost deals with you, but I guarantee you he's making no mistake. He's not talking to the person next to you. He's talking to you. And when he starts talking to you, he's not dealing with you about other men's sins. He's dealing with you about yours. He's not talking about other people's condition and how bad the human race is. He's talking about you and he's talking about your sins and your condition with God. And this is what this angel does in this vision. But look what he says. He not only knows his name, he not only knows the condition, but he knows his prayers and his good works. Look at verse 4. When he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And later on in verse 31, he said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard and thine alms are had held in the, re- in the remembrance of the sight of God. Now, I want to tell you something. In this day, there's some folks who say that God doesn't hear the prayers of sinners. Now that sounds real good and they base it around a verse of scripture in, Act, in John chapter 9 where a lost man in the midst of a lost people said, we know that God hears not the prayers of sinners. And there have been theologies based on that verse of scripture as though the Bible itself said that God hears not the prayers of sinners. A man in the Bible said that, but the Bible itself did not say that. Now the reason I'm saying that is that I'm grateful to God that God hears the prayers of lost folks. But just because he heard your prayers doesn't mean that you're saved. Now I believe God heard a lot of things I said before I was saved. And this angel said your prayers have come up before a memorial. As a memorial before God. And your good arms, your good deeds. Now the good works and the good deeds merited him nothing, but God saw what they were. And that means he saw the giving of this man, he saw the humility of this man, and he understood this man's heart. But hallelujah, the Lord wasn't going to leave him in all that religiousity, doing all those good deeds without knowing what salvation was. Some of us were just about as religious as he was. We got into the church, we got made a profession of faith, we got baptized, and then we got so religious nobody could stand us. And then when the Holy Ghost started dealing with us, we speeded up production and we got more religious. <laughs> Have you ever seen when the Holy Ghost starts dealing with religious people, they get so religious, I, I mean they start going to everything the church has. 
Mm, they start giving more money. They start, they start visiting. They start teaching. They start surrendering for everything. They surrender everything they got before they give up themselves. Did you understand that? Religious people will sacrifice everything they got. Thinking that's what their problem is. But finally when they give up everything they got. And find their problem is not what they had but who they are. That's when they get saved. But like the prodigal son. It takes a while to come to yourself. And understand yourself. But oh hallelujah. What I'm telling you is. I'm glad God hears the prayers of lost folks. Now he doesn't fellowship with them like he does the children of God. That's not it. But the angel said, your prayers are heard. Your own deeds are seen. And said, they're held as a memorial in the presence of God. Said, God has been hearing, God's been looking, and God's been saved. But you still need to get saved, Cornelius. Aren't you glad God saves religious people? Now, Brother Ralph said he was declared. Brother Bob came off of the streets of Detroit. Brother Claude came out of somewhere in California. I don't know. I'm glad God can save declared sinners, wicked sinners, vile sinners. But I'm glad this morning that He can save religious sinners. I want to tell you something. It's a bigger miracle that we got saved as religious sinners than it was that you got saved as declared sinners because nobody prays for us to get saved. Man, we pray for the harlots and we pray for the drug addicts and we pray for those who are down and out, but sometimes we don't pray for those good folks who are in the church, who are trying to live right, but dissatisfied and discontented in their hearts and don't know that they're not saved. And not even pastors pray for theirs very often. They pray for everybody else other than them. And I'm not saying that religious people are different from declared sinners. They're just all sinners. It just, they had to identify them some way and somehow. And here with Cornelius, he was as religious as he knew how to be and was doing with what he knew all that he could. So this is not someone who is rebellious and, and running from God. This is somebody who's trying to get to God, but doesn't know the way to get to God is through Jesus Christ. Oh, don't criticize religious people when they get saved. Because they may have been as honest as they knew, doing everything that they knew, not trusting in themselves, but trying to find God and trying to get to God. And they're honest and they're genuine, but they don't know what's wrong. But hallelujah, God cares for them. And Jesus is praying for them. And He'll come to them and call them by name. Charles? Mm. Now, He didn't call me by my name, but hallelujah, He knew what my name was. <laughs> And he knew what my record was. But the point I'm making right now is that there are some religious people who are doing all that they know to do with what they understand and with what they have been taught. If that's true, you better give time 
for God to break in those people the true condition of their soul. Not very many places you can go who will let religious sinners get saved. And if one does get saved, they want to quiet that one down. Like Shirley was talking about when she got saved. How nobody rejoiced in her church when she got saved. They got upset when she got saved. I worry about people anywhere who get upset when somebody gets saved. Man, it looks like it, they should have been thrilled, huh? It looks like people ought to be excited when somebody gets saved, and especially a religious person, because he's snatched out of the hands of the devil, and he's snatched out of hell, and he was going to hell as a religious individual. Now, I'm just grateful to my God that he can save folks like that. But now, I'll show you something else that blessed me in this introduction part of this. He not only knew his name, he not only knew his condition, he not only knew his prayers and his deeds, but he also knew Simon Peter's address. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he said, look at that verse. Now send to Joppa. Call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon the tanner. Whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. He knows the preacher's address. He not only knew where Cornelius was and his name. Are you listening? He also knew his preacher's name and where his preacher was. <laughs> he said, well, I don't know whether some preachers are of God or not. Well, I'm glad God doesn't have to wonder about that. He knows right where his preachers are who have the message <laughs> Brother Claude, you better somebody better shout for me this morning. See, he knows where his preacher is, that he has instilled within him the message of the gospel. He has worked in him, he has changed him by his grace, and he understands that preacher understands lostness, and he understands sinners. And Jesus knew where he was, and God sent that angel down to Cornelius and said, I know a preacher that you need to hear. God said, I know just right where he is. See, some people may not know where Y Camp is, but God does. And it thrills me. I don't have to worry about a meeting, I don't have to worry about doing anything. But what he wants me to do, because he knows me by name, and he knows what he's instilled within me, and he knows who needs what I got. Because what he gave me is for somebody else, and I don't need to everybody else, I just need to somebody that he's going to send me to who needs me. 
Amen. But that means he knows my address. He knows my address, Brother Cole. He knows where I live. Mm. That angel, that angel said, send for Peter. Send for Peter. Send for Simon. Now this preacher is about to get sent too. Remember how should they believe on him? How should they hear without a preacher? How shall he preach said to be sent? Mm-hmm. Well, Peter's fixing to be sent, and he doesn't know it. But the truth of this is the angel's already sent. The angel said to Cornelius, now Cornelius is going to send for the preacher. He said, well, I've never sent for the preacher. You might. <laughs> and I tell you, when you get under Holy Ghost conviction, not just any preacher is going to do you right. Uh, that's when you want one who knows God and who knows about the power of God and he knows the method of God and he knows what God wants him to do. That's the kind of preacher you're looking for when you're the one who needs help. Right. Yep. Well, I'll just go to a preacher because he's a preacher. You better not. You better find whether or not that preacher knows what's going on. Oh, but listen. The angel knew where he was. Did you see the specifics? He even told him by the seaside. He told him exactly where that preacher was. I can't tell you what that does to me this morning. It just thrills my soul that you may not know where Y Camp is, but he does. You may not even know where Possum Trot is. And you've probably never been there, but Ed Pascal knows where Possum Trot is. Don't you, brother? Yeah. I saw a sign that said Possum Trot, Kentucky. He said, well, where is that? Don't make a bit of difference. But God knows where it is. Well, I better go on. I, 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 I'm just enjoying this so much that God knows what my address is and He knows what my condition is and He knows how to get the two together. He, he knows how to work and operate in such a form, in such a fashion that He can get His job done. All right, now let's look. Let's look. He not only knows the address, but he also knows the need. Now, what is the need? Oh, Cornelius, he doesn't even know it all yet, but he said, he, he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. All right, now, two or three things. If you'll listen fast, I'll get through. If you don't, I'll go, go ahead slow. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed... He called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. Now let me stop right there and develop this truth with you. The preparation of the preacher for the preaching of the word. Now second, you're going to see the preparation of Cornelius for the reception of the word. Now, get this, get this is crossing your mind. We want God to prepare the sinners first. But God prepares preachers for the preaching of the word. And he prepares sinners for the reception of the word. Well, if you think you're going to re- 
prepare sinners for the reception of the word when the preacher has not been prepared for the preaching of the word. That's another thought coming. That's the reason any given situation, that preacher must have a word from God concerning that service. I know these preachers feel the same way I do. I don't want to preach in this pulpit unless God gives me the message. But to give me that message, He's got to prepare my heart for that service. I don't even need to know who's there as long as He prepares my heart for that service. And then the sinners are prepared for the reception of the Word. Sometimes we just spend our time saying, You sinners, Lord, prepare yourselves to receive the Word of God. But first, God works on the preacher to prepare the preacher for the same setting in which the sinners receive the Word. Now, there was something about Peter that he believed with all of his heart. Salvation was for the Jews. That in through the Jews, God had worked. But God had the world on his mind. Hallelujah, he had the Gentiles on his mind. And this is the story of the gospel to the Gentiles. That breaks it not to Jew alone, but to Jew and Gentile. And I happen to be a Gentile, thank you. And hallelujah, God loves Gentiles. Oh, but he was prejudiced. But not prejudiced with an evil notion. Prejudiced because of his conviction that he thought spiritually that was the belief he should have. You know, sometimes we are fundamentally sound in our concept of scriptures. And God may have to work on us and our prejudice to include everybody, red, yellow, black, and white, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are people who are so prejudiced against the blacks, are so prejudiced against the red, are so prejudiced against the white, are so prejudiced against the yellow, that they forget that the gospel of Jesus Christ is for all nations and all people and all races, and we not to carry any prejudice in our hearts toward any race or any group of people. But Simon Peter, because of what he believed, had prejudice. So God had to work on him to get him ready to go to these Gentiles. He wouldn't have gone. He wouldn't have gone to begin if he just said go. Because the angel is going to work on him. I know there's a couple of things in here that we don't know much about. One was that Cornelius had a vision. And the second one, Peter fell into a trance. What would it be something somebody... I think I had a trance yesterday while I was sitting here. Though I, I, I think that back. Yesterday afternoon, I believe I, I had a trance right there. I went sound asleep. Somebody's preaching. It wasn't really a trance. I was just a sleepy spell. Oh, my hypoglycemia gets down. Or my sugar gets down. Sometimes if I look down, boom, I don't even know I'm asleep until boom, wake me up. But Simon Peter had a trance. And in his trance... God showed him a sheet that came down with unclean animals in it. And the Lord said, the angel said, arise and eat, Peter. Kill and eat. He said, not so, Lord. Not so. Uh Uh-uh. Now, he's talking to the Lord's messenger. Not so, Lord. 
Now, that's what you call a strong conviction, isn't it? That's what you call a strong preacher. That's what you call a strong man. Not so, Lord. I've never touched anything common and unclean. Nothing's ever gone in my mouth. In other words, I am clean and I can't go to this uncircumcised Gentile. I can't go to this sinner Gentile. I can't, I can't receive that. But see, he didn't even know that God was dealing with him about the Gentiles. And he was saying, I've never had anything unclean in me. And the Lord said, don't you call that which I've sanctified unclean. Mm. See, what did God do with Peter? He worked the prejudice out of him to where he could face any congregation of people with love and compassion and preach to them without a problem. I want to tell you something. You can justify your prejudice all day, but it will eat you alive and destroy you. It produces clickishness, and you lost a vision. What you need is what God was showing Simon Peter. Simon Peter, when I want you to preach, I want you to preach to anybody with the message that I've given you without prejudice. Isn't that good? He worked it clean out of him. But he works it out for reason. Now look at verse number 17. Now, while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. While Peter thought of the vision, the Spirit said to him, Now we've got the Holy Ghost involved in it. The Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing. For, if you, don't, if you don't get anything else I've said right now, get this next one. For I have sent them. Now. The way it looked, just an angel, messenger, told Cornelius to send for Simon Peter. But now the Spirit of God says, these who have come after you, I send them. Simon Peter, I send them to you. Can I tell you the most frightening thing of a preacher that I know of? Is when God entrusts into our hands lost souls. And we have the consciousness that God gave them to us to preach to them. I'll tell you the times I have come the closest to quitting the ministry. Not, not literally, but the closest to thinking about it was not over discouragement, not over disappointment, but it was the awesome consciousness of a soul is put into my hands in that service. And that's greater than a doctor operating on an individual. Because that doctor may lose a life, but if that preacher loses a soul, that's quite a lot. 
And the Holy Ghost is saying this to Peter. Peter, I'm giving these men to you. And all the men connected with these men I hear. Now they're your responsibility. The Spirit of God said, I've sent them. I've given them to you. just about more than I can handle that God by his Holy Ghost would take a preacher and put souls in his hands and say now you go with them and you preach to them mm. but you know just about the time I thought I'd think about quitting I'm afraid somebody else will do it who doesn't know what they're doing. I may not know much. And I get accused of not knowing anything else but salvation. But hallelujah, that's quite all right. I've paid guilty to that. But I want to be the kind of preacher that can be trusted with souls. Is that right, you evangelists? Is that right? Some of you lost folks sitting here. I want to see you saved more than anything else in this world. But God forbid that I mislead you. God forbid that I tell you you got something when you hadn't got it. And God forbid that I become your confidence. Though you need confidence in the preacher. But not the confidence for your salvation. That's the reason I don't want to tell a person he saved. I want him to tell me. But at this particular occasion, the Spirit of God says, Peter, you go with them, doubting nothing. For I have sent them to you. Look at verse 21. And Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom you seek. What is the cause wherefore you come? They said, Cornelius, a centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God, and of good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by a holy angel to send for thee unto his house and to hear words of thee. Don't just have to put up with me this morning. This is awesome. This is awesome to me as a preacher. Because I want so much to see all these lost folks get saved. But do you hear what he said? What was it Simon Peter had that Cornelius needed? Words. Words. Oh. If... Go back over in chapter number 11 again. 
Remember verse 14 I read to you, Who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved? In other words, the messenger told Cornelius, Cornelius, you send for Peter because he has words that he can tell you so you can get saved. Now we talk about what we have as preachers, but what is the most important thing for a preacher to have outside his own salvation? The right words. He better know what those words mean and what words to say because words can help or they can hinder. When I was 11 years old and joined the church, I walked the aisle and that preacher said, are you trusting Jesus as your Savior? I said, yes. He said, good. Sit down and fill out this card. And that was it. Those are words. But they weren't the right words. But some preachers say, that's all you have to do. That's words. But he said, send for Peter and he'll give you words. Whereby you and your whole house can get saved. The importance of knowing what you're talking about and how to use them in the right way at the right time. All words won't fit every occasion. Some words fit one when other words fit another. And if a preacher stereotypes it and puts it in a little plan, then it becomes words, but word only. What we need is to know how to use the words under the leadership and guidance of the Holy Ghost as a man of God to deliver souls. But this is the reason why you lost folks. You keep hearing us say the same thing and say the same thing and say the same thing, but we say it differently. We use some words one time and some words another time. And after a while you say, well, why in the world are you speaking all these words? Because after a while you're going to hear what we're saying. You say, well, I haven't got it yet. Well, if you don't get it, we rerun it again with some other words. I mean, we couple them up like a train and we'll run this one by. You don't get that one, we'll take another sermon and run that one by. You don't get that one, we'll take another sermon and run that one by. After a while, maybe some of those words will be put together and you'll say, Got it! Ooh, got it! Thank you, preacher. Never heard that before in my life. You might have heard it a hundred times. And then finally one day, you got it. Oh my, so what was it the preacher had? He had words. Words. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I them in the name of Jesus Christ and I rise up and walk. He told that lame man. Simon Peter, he was not interested in material possessions. He was interested in the power of God in his life and words to use. Oh, so we know. Words whereby you and your house can get saved. Now, let me show you the preparation for the reception of the word. The attitude of the lost folks and the sinners at Cornelius' house. Look at it in verse 23. Then called he them and lodged them. And on the morrow Peter went away with them and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And the morrow after they entered into Caesarea. And Cornelius waited for them. And they and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. You know who that reminds me of? Rahab the heart.
and take Jericho. And those two spies told Rahab, said, put this scarlet line in the window when you see us coming. But instead of just putting it in there when, he saw, when she saw him coming, she put it in there right then. And then she got her daddy and her mama and her kinfolks and everybody else in that one room. Well, here's a lost man gathering up his kinfolks and his family and it says his friends to hear the same words that he's going to hear. So lost people are not supposed to invite others to church. <laughs> Boy, it's good when a lost person gets another lost person gets them there. And they got something up there we want to hear. And Cornelius, he not, Cornelius not only waited, he said he waited for him, he waited for Peter, but while he was waiting, he got his kid folks and he got his friends and he's getting ready to receive the word. I want to ask you a question, you lost folks. When the preacher mounts the pulpit, Sam, are you ready to receive it? I ask us a question, are we ready to preach it? But when we're ready to preach it, are you ready to receive it? You say, what do you mean? Well, it's according to how you sit in your seat. Are you sitting this way? Or are you sitting this way? Whatever you say. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Whatever the Holy Ghost wants to do, I'm ready. You may not literally do that, but in your heart. (laughs) Oh, I I remember I was in this revival meeting, and uh, the Holy Ghost was breaking out all over everywhere. And I got up one night, and and the pastor, the old pastor, had already resigned, and he was leaving. He had one more Sunday after that meeting was over. And another pastor had already taken over the, the pastor. And he was leaving the singer. Well, the singer got up. house was packed full of people because they had come to see what God was doing. And uh, that morning, in the morning service, the singer got up and said, I feel like I ought to give an invitation. But he didn't. The pastor got up to make the announcement. And he said, I feel like I ought to give an invitation, but he didn't. And I thought to myself, well, I'm glad they feel that way. I don't feel that way. I'm preaching free. I got up and looked at the second row, and there was a lady, a bootlegger's wife, and they'd been trying to get some church, sitting there literally like this. Had her hand on the back of that pew in front, one foot out in the aisle, and the other one cocked back here. Looked like somebody on the track about to run a hundred dash. I looked down and saw that. When I saw that, the Holy Ghost said, You're not in the table. She was ready for the reception of the Word. I gave that invitation, and she looked like a hundred yard dasher. <laughs> she leaped out of that. Wham! She hit that altar. God saved her just like that. It was over with before I could get out with her. Before the pastor could even get out with her, it was over. I like them when they're that fast. And I don't know why some are that fast and some are not, but I know one thing. She was ready. She's prepared for the reception of the Word. Hey, 
Have you, have you got it in your mind? Today's my day. Today's my day. Today just might be my day. Today might be my day rather than... Well, he hadn't moved on me in months now. He hadn't moved on me in a while. Why should I expect he's going to do any different today? Did you know what the trouble that is? Your unbelief is your faith. The reason some sinners can't get saved is that the only faith they got is their unbelief. See, unbelief is you in that belief. It is a type of belief. It's unbelief. Well, if you have faith that believes, you get salvation. But if you have faith that gets an un in front of it, you have unbelief, and you get what unbelief believes, doesn't it? I don't know whether anything's going to happen or not. But if you don't believe anything's going to happen, nothing is going to happen. Don't you believe that the Holy Ghost is going to have your summons sooner or later? Don't you believe it's going to be in there? Well, why not sooner than later? Amen? All I'm saying is, if a preacher's going to spend his time preparing for a message and preparing for that sermon and asking God by the Holy Ghost to give him what that congregation needs, you, being that congregation, are going to say, Oh, maybe it's me today. I think I'll sit on the edge of my seat and see if that sermon's just for me. Mm -hmm. If the congregation would prepare as much as the preacher does, we might have a bigger time. <laughs> That's like a preacher. Sometimes we'll prepare a glory sermon. I mean, we get in the study and we, I mean, it just runs all over us. And hallelujah, we get up there and say, we can't wait to give it to that congregation. And we give it to them and they are... We shout all over the study. We shout all over the motel room. Can't wait to give it to those people. Hey, can't wait to give it to them. God's got us prepared as preachers and we're ready for it. And get there and the congregation's not prepared one bit. They haven't even asked God what uh, kind of attitude they ought to be in for that service. Are you listening? Some of the congregation. They don't even bother to spend time asking God, what do you want in this service? What do you want us to do in this service? What's it going to be like in this service? If the preacher's going to go through all of that, trying to find the message of God and the mind of God and the leadership of the Holy Ghost, everybody, sinners and saints both, ought to do something about the reception of the Word of God. Now, I know in this one, there's a promise. There's a promise coming here. He said, what, 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 what in the world is the promise? That Simon Peter is going to come and give them words whereby they can get saved. Boy, that's belief. That's really belief. But he called, he called them all together. In verse 25. And Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him. Can you picture this? Can you picture this? I mean, live this with me, folks. He didn't wait for him to come in. I mean, Simon Peter no sooner came than Cornelius met him. He was looking for him. He was anxious to hear what this man of God had to say. And he fell down his feet and worshipped him. Peter said, no, don't do that. Stand up. I'm just a man. Oh. As he talked with him, he went in, found many that would come together. Hallelujah. And he said unto them, you know how. Not, and it's an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or to come into one that is of another nation. But God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. 
no prejudice in his heart. Therefore, came I unto you without gainsaying, as soon as I was sent for. I asked therefore, what intent have you sent for me? And Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting into this hour. And at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. And said, Cornelius, thy prayers heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon a tanner by the seaside, who, when he cometh, shall speak unto thee immediately. Therefore I send to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now therefore are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. We can preach a while in verse 33, but I just want to point out one thing. Look at the little phrase before God. Do you know what I think the congregations, probably around the world, but especially in America, need? They need to know that when they sit in a service, they're not there before the preacher. They're there before God. If the people really knew that they were assembled before God, their attitude would be a lot different. Because if you knew you were before God and God's presence was there, and you were going to be dealt with by God, it would change that congregation, not just change that preacher. And here they are before God. And he says, we're here to hear whatever it is. Now guess what he preaches to him. You have any idea what he preaches? It's called J-E-S-U-S. <laughs> God the Holy Ghost has a way. Look at verse 34. And Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of person. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is the Lord of all. That word I say, ye know, which meant he wasn't ignorant to the teachings of Jesus, but he knew more than he had experienced. The word I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began with Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus, here it is, Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Now he's dealing with the cross. Him God raised up the third day and dealing with the resurrection and showed him openly. Not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the law, to be the judge and of the quick and dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Now, isn't that a glorious sermon? Mm-hmm. But now if you stop right there, that could be word on. Now he does an excellent job of preaching Jesus. 
But I want you to see what happens now. <laughs> Verse 44. While he yet spake these words. In other words, the Holy Ghost is about to interrupt his sermon. Because it's time to produce what he heard. But to produce it, Peter can't produce it. He can only preach it. You've got to have the preaching of the word. You've got to have the communication of the gospel. You've got to have the information. But if that's all you've got, that's word only. Look what happens now. While he's preaching, right in the middle of the time he's speaking, it said the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. Now, sometimes people don't know the difference in words and word. He gave him words when he preached. But when he believed on the word, that word is the same word for Christ. And it's also the word for doctrine and account. But I love the word fail. <laughs> oh, man, I love the word fail. Do you, do you know what this word means? I knew this to Tommy Taylor. He won't mind Man, I have fallen all over him. Means to put pressure on. Except it's not physical. Man, all of a sudden, wham, right on his spirit comes the Holy Ghost. You ever had the Holy Ghost sit down on you? When he sits down on you. Nobody has to tap you on the shoulder and say you've been set on. When he puts the pressure on, you think the preacher did. Hmm. Preacher can't do it. Then what you waiting on? I'm waiting to see if any of them get set out on. Speak for somebody who likes to shout and rejoice and, and run around as much as I do. My main thrill is when the Holy Ghost quietens things down and I begin to watch for the Holy Ghost when he's moving. I like to see conviction settle in because I know something's on its way. <laughs> I love to see deliverance. I like to see the joy. But the Spirit fell on them. And put pressure on them. Awesome display of God. But fellow them which heard the word. I mean, they were ready to receive it. But now the power of God is on them. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter. Because on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the promise of the Spirit of God. Hey, same promise that Acts chapter 2 was about. That God has a salvation that's not just for the Jews, but it's for the Gentiles. The Gentiles get saved the same way that the Jews get saved. Any sinner gets saved the same way. I don't care who he is. Repentance toward God, faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. But as I said, the circumstances may be different, but the truth is always the same. I'm glad he is no respecter of persons, and I'm glad he's got a gospel for the world, and sinners need to hear what that gospel is. But every preacher who preaches 
must know how to prepare himself on the leadership of the Holy Ghost, but that congregation needs to be prepared for the reception of that word. But the surprise to many congregations is when the Holy Ghost moves on that word. See, some people don't know that the Holy Ghost is going to move. Some of you probably heard this illustration. It's part of another sermon, but it fits the situation. And this little boy never had slept by himself. Never had slept by himself. Finally, Mama said, we're going to wean him off. We're going to put him upstairs in a room by himself. So they put him up in there and turned the light out. Mama and Daddy went downstairs sitting in the living room. After a while, they heard this little boy tiptoeing down the steps. Came in there. He said, Mama, I'm scared. He said, honey, why are you scared? I don't know. Mama said, I'm scared. Mama said, son, he's not being scared out. Said, there's nobody in that room but God and you. Said, God's there. The boy kept told all the way up upstairs. Went over there and cracked the door and looked in the darkness and said, God, I know you're in there, but if you move, you'll scare me to death. preaching of the word who have never experienced the Holy Ghost moving on the word and making it alive. There are those who intellectually know the word but the spirit of the Lord is not given place to. And a man can intellectually as a preacher preach the word without the power of the Holy Ghost absolutely nothing's going to happen in the heart. But when the Holy Ghost comes along. Mm. But also this is the reason why some churches don't like evangelists. Especially if that evangelist knows what he's doing. And he goes into a church and some of their best church members get saved. And they say, well I thought you was already saved. Well I've been knowing you, you've been the most religious person in our church. You've been teaching our Sunday school. Or you've been singing in our choir. Or, man, you've been our associate here. Or, could even be the pastor on occasion, I have said. But you don't ever know who it's going to be. But they want to say, well, I don't understand that. Hadn't you believed in Jesus all the years? Cornelius knew the word and he knew about Jesus, but he didn't know Jesus. And when the Spirit of God fell, he not only knew him, but those in his house knew him. I'm going to tell you, it stirs up some folks when religious people get saved. Mm. And if it's an evangelist, let me put it this way. I love for everybody to love me. I'm the most lovable person in the world. If you don't believe that, just ask Shirley. She'll tell you how lovable I am. I'm just being facetious now. But I really do like to be liked. I really do. I like to be liked. But every once in a while, you hear somebody say, you know what I heard about you, Brother Charles? Mm-hmm. And then they're going to tell me something bad. It's been bad every time, and I guess it's going to be bad thereafter. I want to think, well, maybe it's going to be good this time, but it never is good that time. 
But I don't like to hear the bad because I want people to like me. But if they're going to blame me for people getting saved, and they usually say the second time. <laughs> you don't get saved but once. <laughs> but if they're going to blame me for that, hallelujah, guilty. <laughs> That's all right. But the point I'm making right here is that the Spirit of the Lord fell upon them. And when he fell upon them, not only did Cornelius get saved, but his whole house of religious people got saved. The point I'm making is this. I don't care how much knowledge you've got of the Word of God. I don't care how much training you've got. If you've never had a personal experience with the Lord Jesus Christ by the Holy Ghost moving on you, salvation is what you need. Amen. Now, I've taken different ones, and there are others. There are others. But I felt like today I needed to ask a question. How religious can you be? You can't find anybody more religious than him unless it was Judas's carrot, like I said. But you don't even find a flaw mentioned in Cornelius. Where the flaw was in his nature, what was wrong with him. Not in what he was doing. Now listen to me. Before I got saved, I'd given up everything you could think about. Everything you could think about. I even gave up a hunting fishing equipment. You know what I got to even run around? It wasn't necessary, but I didn't know it. I didn't know it. I, I, I was doing it, I thought that's the thing to do, because I thought I was giving place to that. And when the Holy Ghost started doing me about being saved as a lost preacher, all the things I gave up, and all the things I lay down, was not my problem. My problem was what was in here. That's the reason when I got saved, I didn't have to change anything out here. There weren't any changes out here. I'd already made all of those changes. The change I needed was in here. What Cornelius needed was not a change of lifestyle. He needed a change of life. Amen. Hear what I'm saying? Don't care how religious you are. Don't care how many good deeds you have. Don't care how many offices you hold. If you never had a life change by the Spirit of God inside, then you're like Cornelius. But remember what I said. He knows where you are. He knows you by your name. And he knows what preacher to send across your pathway. How can I say thanks for the things he's done for me? Things one deserves. But hallelujah. The one getting saved, and ever who the next one is. You may not sit on the edge of your seat, but I'm going to sit on the edge of mine. Not literally, nor am I. But in my heart, this is the way I feel this morning. You say, why? What have you prepared for? 
if you only knew. Look around, folks. Do you see this building? Do you know why this building is here? Not to have a pretty place of worship. Hallelujah. To put the emphasis on evangelism and salvation and see people get saved, born into the family of God, to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have prepared the place. Brother Larry, we're trying to prepare it even better and finish her off one of these days. But you know why it's sitting here? It's the preparation for preaching and sinners to come together and saints to come together. And we're doing all we can do on the leadership of God with what we got with what he gives us. And by his grace, we are ready. And that's the reason today we'll have a spell over you getting saved. And we will have it for a while. Because you see the thing, I mean, Brother Larry, we, we talked about it. We talked about the building we, ever, ever since we first started. You know what we talked about? One person getting saved. Remember? We didn't talk about a multitude. We said we want a multitude to get saved. But when it's laying the bricks out here, when it's laying the bricks, and some of you came down and worked on the, on the roof while he's working on it. Man, what we talk about? If just one person gets saved in that building, everything we've done has been worthwhile. All the energy that's gone into it, all the money's gone into it, everything has gone into it. Hey, I see material, and when you come down to the soul, and all I'm trying to tell you is this, dear sinner friends, you're in a place that we have prepared as best we know how to let the preachers prepare under the leadership of the Holy Ghost and preach to you a no-so salvation that is doctrinally sound with a message that comes from God and a method is it that is of the Holy Ghost and not easy believism and neither is it legalism, but it's an old-fashioned gospel to the world that changes sinners by the grace of God. So if we have a spell over just this one... Just let us alone because it's worth everything we're doing to get that gospel out. Now, I want to say one more thing because this is probably my last time to preach. I don't know about that. But planning to. We want every one of you to get saved while you're here. We want you to. And we're going to pray and we're going to seek God's face. We're going to seek the right preachers. We're going to seek the right singers. We're going to seek the right everything we can. But I want you to know one thing. If you walk out of here tonight and you're still lost, we still love you as much as we ever did. And we'll pray for you and stay with you until you call us and tell us you got saved. Amen. Amen. The devil's going to fight you tooth and toenail, just like he fights us. But friend, the victory is in Jesus Christ. And count victory is wound up around the cross. And by God's grace, we're going to stay with it. And continue to preach it until we hear that you've been born into the family of God. Just don't you get saved and not tell us. (laughs) 
we don't want to waste our prayers. Amen. <laughs> he said, do you really want to know? I'm as honest as I can be. Do you want to know? Don't care what time of day, what time of night. You get saved 12 o'clock one night, having you a spell. I got to call Count Victory. I got to tell them. Don't say, well, we'll bother Brother Charles and wake him and Shirley up and get them mad. Well, you won't get us mad tonight. It just might make us have a spell. We might just call around here in the middle of the night and everybody have a spell. Mm. Why are you saying, preach? I'm telling you. We want you to have something real. And the building of this place to me by our church is so that God can prepare preachers with the right message to stand behind this pulpit stand for the sinners so that they can get saved. Isn't that what it's all about? And I'm not magna- over magnifying the place. I'm just saying this is the reason why we did this. That's what it all stands for. And we want the community to know that. We want everybody around here to know that. But especially during Camp, Camp Victory, while well, it's going on. We want the Holy Ghost to have a setup just like Cornelius' house. Just this last thing. We want you, if you're a declared sinner, never been religious, or if you're highly religious, to know the same gospel is for both crowds. It's just your repentance is over different things. But they'll both be just as real. Amen? Amen. Well, almost took the whole time again. But I don't make any apology for that. <laughs> if I can just get across to you what it means to us for you to be here. And I thank you for coming. I'll say more about that tonight, but I thank you for coming. I tell you, it's a blessing of God. And I pray that you'll be able to come back for a December meeting and come back next year or Camp Victor again. Like I said, I'll say more about that tonight. All right, all hearts clear. Oh, you ready? Oh, no. Come right on. Amen. Oh, we're, ready. we're ready to hear that. It's good when you can uh, put your name, you find your name here in, this, in the scriptures. And that's what I've been doing as Brother Charles has been preaching today, thinking back about what what did happen last night and... and uh, where it said here, it said, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them that heard. And I said, yeah, while Brother Tim was preaching last night, the Holy Ghost fell on me. And it's not that I had never heard it before. I mean, I had heard it. I had heard the truth over and over again. And I'd had experiences you know, I had experiences that there was one really that I thought it was it. You know, I shouted and had me a spell and a big time. That, and the Lord was there. It's like I told him last night. I said, he was there. And uh, and I there were some changes that came about from that. But when the trials came, 
And, you know, when the when it got down to the nitty-gritty, you know, to the end, I couldn't stand this. I fell. I fell hard. And, uh, you know, I knew then, it, you know, I, I, I wanted to go back and look at it, and I wanted to hold on to that and let it prop me up and think that I was okay. But as things kept happening, I mean, the Lord really put me through some things. And I thought, God, why are you putting me through this? But now that I look back, I'm with JJ for And I know he was there the whole time. And I didn't understand then, but I do now. But I think the thing that was, yesterday morning when Brother Charles was preaching, you know, it was Jesus, 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 you know. And I thought, yeah, you know, it's him. And it, Brother Claude and Brother Greg Moffat and all of them had preached that, and I'd heard it over and over again, but it was always the experience that I was looking for. It was like I thought that, uh, you know, that I should feel some big explosion or, you know, see lightning or, you know, what it, you know, it's like you're expecting this feeling, you know, to come over you, and, and then you'd be saying, you know, that, that had to be it, you know, and, and I kept looking and thinking and work, you know, you just work yourself to death trying to uh, attain, you know, and it's just, you know, it's nothing of you, nothing at all. And uh, the thing that was so awesome to me and after Brother Claude preached yesterday afternoon and about grace, and I had never seen, I mean, it was never real in my heart what grace and goodness of God really meant, you know. And then, you know, it was just like the Lord just laid it out so perfectly all day long yesterday from, you know, beginning to end. And uh, after we left yesterday afternoon, after Brother Claudia preached, I was walking back to the house with Brother Larry, and he said, man, that was a good service. And I said, yes, it was. It really was. And, you know, the Lord just really spoke some things to my heart. And uh, he said, it's so, ain't it so good to be saved? And, and I, I knew Brother Larry thought that I was saved because he was there. I, I caught, In fact, he had called our church that night that, that I thought I had gotten saved, and I talked to him. And, uh, and he said he remembered that, you know, and he had told his wife about, well, another time previous to that that I had... Uh, I had gotten up in a service where Brother Greg was preaching, and I told him, I said, Brother Greg, you know, I want what you've got. And uh, Brother Larry told me, he said, I, I knew then that you were headed in the right direction when uh, you said you wanted what he got, but the thing was, I wanted who he got, who he had, who he had. That was it, you know. My heart had never landed on the person of Christ until last night. Anyway, I couldn't tell Brother Larry yesterday afternoon that I wasn't saved. I just said, yeah. I said, yeah, it, it is good. And little did I know that <laughs> it was going to be my time, you know. But the awesome thing about what he really showed me was that he had, he said, why in the world would I put you in the middle 